so glad that everyone is here today. Uh, that was actually my first baby dedication, so that's, I love it. Trying out new things, going to new grounds, right? And so uh, my name is Pedro. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, and I'm the acting lead pastor here at City Life, and uh, we want you to feel welcomed here, that we take seriously our commitment to one another and to live this gospel life together in community and with Jesus, always chasing after Jesus, uh, and by doing that with one another. And so thank you, Jared and me, for having a beautiful baby that I got to dedicate today. And that, like, it's a good reminder for all of us that uh, we have a serious task that we've been asked to for one another, that our faith isn't just us alone in a room, though it's that too, but it's also our commitment to one another. And so um, today we're actually going to be resuming our Mark series. Uh, we've taken a break. If you've been with us, we've been in a season of transition, but uh, I want to go back to Mark because I love Mark. Mark has such an, it's obviously one of the Gospels, but it's the perspective of, Mar of the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus is really unique. And it's, if you're in a place that we're going to talk about today, where you're in a place where you feel like you're missing what Jesus is, the deeper things of what Jesus is trying to say to you, then Mark is a good book to give you a nice, holy kick in the butt to help you open up your eyes and let your heart uh, live for the first time. And so we go through this. One of the reasons why we also say that we're going to be in one book and we're not going to leave there is because we believe in um, preaching verse by verse through the scriptures, letting scriptures tell us what we talk about. There's a million things that I want to talk about of what I've learned about God. But if Jesus isn't in it, if the Holy Spirit isn't in it, then it's not going to do much of anything. We need to be preaching the word because uh, the word is what brings us life. And it's what uh, jump starts our hearts and our lives and our souls. And so uh, I really love in Luke, Luke 5 is Jesus, a story of Jesus healing. And in that story, it says this little detail. It said that Jesus saw that the, the spirit was there for healing. And uh, that brings us to the next point right before we start the sermon. That uh, I've also made the decision to change one part of our Sunday mornings. And it's that um, I am going to aim to preach a little shorter. It's, I know that some of you are excited by that, but um, it's, more, it's not because of time, and it's not because I don't want to prepare 10, 15 minutes more, but it's because we want to be a community where the Holy Spirit comes and he has room to do his work. And we don't want to be so tied to our program or the next thing that we have to do and so really, 10 minutes doesn't add up to much. And I know that most Sundays, we might, it just me, might mean that we leave 10 minutes earlier. But on those days when the Holy Spirit is here to do something, we want to partner in what he's doing. We want the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit to be in our community all the time. And so it's tough. Like I, I, today, it's already, I'm already up against the clock, uh, I know. But we want to be people who, down to our DNA, down to the core of who we are, we want to be responsive to God and the Holy Spirit and the work that he has for us every day. Amen? Amen. So let's transition into our sermon for the day. Today we're going to be in Mark 8. But before I read, I need to tell a story. Uh, I don't want to tell this story because it's pretty embarrassing. But I, it, 
I think it fits pretty perfectly. Um, I used to work at Nyack College when I was in seminary. We got some Nyack College representation in the house today. Um, and I was one of the campus pastors. And so one of my duties there was to go to the weekly chapels and to pray with people whenever they came up to pray. And though there was this one day that this girl came forward and so clearly God was doing something in her life. She was being moved. Um, all right, the screens went out. If we can fix that, guys. Um, this girl was being moved. The Holy Spirit was doing something profound in her life. And I wanted to partner, and I was so excited that we got the chance to do it, uh, that I get to pray for her. And it's just so disappointing because it did not go that way. So this girl comes up to me, and she wants, she tells me, quite literally, I want to pray for, um, about baking. And I was like, okay, great, that's weird. But I'll pray for that, obviously, I'll pray for anything. Like, so I started to go on, and I started to pray over her baking career. And I started to pray if she needed to leave Nyack to go and pursue baking and, and all of this. And I was, I, you're trained to pray for someone with your eyes open. And I could see that nothing was landing. Nothing was like penetrating her. I was completely off and I didn't know why. So I was trying to fix it. I was trying to fix it. And at the end of the prayer, I just saw everything that God had started, I just completely demolished. <laughs> and the, um, the really embarrassing part of all of this is because... Uh, and the reason why I don't like telling the story, because it makes me feel so old, is that um, she was talking about smoking marijuana, and I'm over here praying about her culinary future. And I, it's so embarrassing. I just feel so old. I just, I don't get, I'm not hip anymore, I guess. I don't know. And, but really, that highlights to me what God, what Jesus was doing in this account that we're going to be reading today. It's what happens in the times of life when we're just missing the point. When God is doing something pretty deep, he's at 100, and we're pretty shallow, and we can't get to him. We try, and we try, and we try, and we make sense of what we can make sense of, but Jesus is trying to move us deeper and deeper, and we're just missing it. We're missing it. And so uh, please pray with me so that we can enter into the reading of God's word together, and... Um, in one heart. And so, Lord, uh, we love you. We ask that you would be here amongst us today. We ask that you would move powerfully, Lord. Hmm. I pray that you would have something really sweet to say to us today about the times where we're just missing the point, or we're not going deep enough, or we might be resisting you, Lord. I pray that you would uh, comfort our hearts and show us why it is that we really should go to you with these things and why we should keep on trying and pursuing you and why we should be in relationship with you. So, Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be, like I said, in Mark chapter 8. We're going to be in verse 14. If Tony, Tony will get there whenever the issue is fixed, but uh, I'll read this for us. I promise I'm not making any of this up. Now they had forgotten to bring bread. They only had one loaf with them in the boat. He cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? 
Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are, you, are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And he said to them, 12. And for the seven, and the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? You see, uh, this kind of, if you're just reading through the narrative of, God, of Mark, this kind of just seems like a story that's thrown in there. But when we study it, it actually is like one of these passages that really makes sense of the whole area of passages around it. The couple of stories that surround this story really find their meaning in this one. So we see that they are on their way and they forget to bring bread, right? And Jesus, knowing this, uses it as an opportune time to teach his disciples something really deep. He starts talking about here in verse 15, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And now, because the disciples usually mess up and don't get it, they start talking with one another about whose fault it was, about why there was only one piece of bread, completely ignoring the fact that Jesus just fed 5,000 people and that he just fed 4,000 people, but we'll get to that a little bit later. And they just start pointing fingers. I can just imagine them just being, I don't know, it was you. It was supposed to be Bart. Oh, no, it was supposed to be Thaddeus. No, it was supposed to be Simon. And they just completely missed the point of what Jesus was doing for them in that moment. See, uh, this story is about bread, right? It's one of the bread stories that we've been in a lot recently. And so I want to talk about three ingredients to this story that come together and make sense of the larger portion of scripture that we're in here. If we look at like the chapter and a half before this, we see that Jesus is doing amazing things, that he confronts the Pharisees, that he starts teaching them about their hearts. It's like, it's not what about you put in your body, but it's about what comes out because your heart is already dirty anyway. The food you eat doesn't make a difference because you're already dirty. After that, we see this really interesting interaction that Jesus has with the Syrophoenician woman where Jesus seems to us to be being racist towards her, though he wasn't. Uh, and this lady was wrestling with Jesus and trying to get what she wants, and her faith just moves Jesus to the point where she does what he asks. After that, Jesus heals a, dead, a deaf man. That he goes and he speaks life and that this man is able to hear again. And then after that, we have the story of the feeding of the 4,000, and the feeding of the 5,000 came a little bit before that. And so what does this passage, how does this passage really tie this all together? How does it really address this issue of what happens when Jesus is giving us something really deep, but we're just missing it? And the first ingredient to this is that it's not about the details, and it's not about the information all the time. I say that with caution as someone who has gone to seminary, who plans on learning something about scripture, something about God every day. Um, I have a deep, deep passion for learning more about the this Bible that God gave us and who God is. But also I have to know, and I know this out of experience, and I know all of you know this out of experience, that it's not always about what you know that will get you out of this time. Here, starting in verse 17, when Jesus is addressing them, he says, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? 
Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Sometimes in life, you can know all the right answers. Sometimes in life, you've been to, you haven't missed a Sunday school in a decade, and yet everything that you've accumulated isn't enough to help you know what to do or to get that knowledge that you've learned out of your head and into your heart. Now, C.S. Lewis writes about this a lot, about being trapped in the self. Again, I'm not saying anything about not learning about Scripture or not learning about God, because that is really one of the most important, the most important thing that we do. It's why we're put here is to know God. But sometimes that's not what's going to help you get out of this rut or get out of this cycle of feeling like you're missing the deeper things. Jesus asked them, he kind of gave them a little test. He's like, do you not remember? And they answered every question correctly. And yet Jesus' response to them was, do you not yet understand? I think that's significant. That it's not always going to be the smartest people in the room who know God the most. I think that's rarely the case. It's not always going to be the most appropriate person who knows the most about Jesus. It's not always only about what you know. And that brings us to the second ingredient. It's really the whole purpose of this whole story, and it's the leaven. Jesus is warning to them. He used this, this lack of bread to say one thing. He said, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And so that's important. We can't leave this passage without talking about that at least a little bit. What is this leaven, and what does it represent? And so if you know anything about baking, uh, you know that leaven is yeast. It's the same thing. It's this living organism that you put into the bread, and it gives life to the bread. It makes it rise. I don't know if there is good bread without yeast, though there is bread out there without yeast, but it's so delicious. It's what gives the bread lift. It lifts it up. It gives it air in there. It's what really makes bread really, really nice and flaky. And so this idea that Jesus is, is putting in here is that he's saying, Watch out for the leaven, because if you have too much leaven in something, the bread goes bad. And if you have too little, then the bread won't be bread. It'll be a pancake. And this is really interesting. Scripture talks about what this means a little bit later on in James. And I want to read that for us today. It should be on the screen, too. This is in James 1. And it's talking about the effects of sin and how it grows into us just like leaven. James chapter 1, verse 13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, he and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings death. And so really, Jesus is playing off this idea of sin and of how something little, when it enters into you as a thought or as an innocent action, or, oh, God doesn't really care about that. Oh, I can do this a couple of times. I'll be able to stop it later. Be careful with this little leaven because it really gets into your heart. And if it finds fertile soil, it'll grow and grow and grow. And at the opportune time, it brings forth death. 
And so Jesus, using this, this situation, he gives them this, such this deep little message in one sentence. He said, beware, be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And so we have to at least address what this leaven is of the Pharisees because it plays into this idea. You see, there's not one agreed-upon answer of all Christian scholarship on what it is, but through the narrative of God's Word, I, I'm going to say today that the leaven of the Pharisees is, some, is fake faith. It's this religion that replaces actually knowing God. It's this whole system around you, even if it's only mental. It's the system that you put yourself to put God in a box and to give you more control. The Pharisees loved fake faith. They had a rigid religion. That at the end of all, a lot of times when Jesus confronted the Pharisees, he said, you don't even know me. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look really nice on the outside, but inside you're really dead. Be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees because it, religion looks really nice at times. It helps you to understand but it also robs you of truly knowing who God is. And it starts off small, and then one day, years from now, decades from now, you might find out that you actually don't even know who God is. So be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees, because it starts off really small, and it can grow into something really big. The leaven of Herod, I've been calling the selfish self. See, leaven, uh, Herod... He had no regard for God. He lived a life of debauchery. He did whatever he wanted. He had no faith. And so to us, he represents the selfish self. Is that he, the leaven of Herod was that he didn't care about God at all. And so he disregarded anything God had to say. And he thought that he could do whatever he wanted. Be careful about the leaven of Herod. Because if you ever get trapped in yourself, then you might realize one day that you can't get out that you can't just worship a holy God who is far above you and me and who we need for our salvation, our breath, our life, everything. And that brings us to the last point today, point number three. And it's at times, at times in scripture, we see that it's not only the people who oppose Jesus who are the ones that miss him, but that it's often the people who, sh who are the closest to him who miss what he's trying to do, who miss the deeper things that Jesus is trying to do. You know, the disciples were with Jesus for three years, off, all the time, and that they even received special teachings from him. They would see him do something, and they would go away with him and say, Jesus, I don't understand this, and he would teach them. He poured so much into these 12 men, and yet we see over and over and over again that these 12 men constantly were missing the point, just like in today's story. Jesus is telling them about their heart and their condition and their need for him, and all they can do is argue about who forgot the bread, who didn't go to Acme in time. And so this all might be like, it, it all comes together to build this one really, really interesting, really, really pretty picture the reason why we're here today is to, all of us, we need to shout out, we need to be so ready, we need to have this urging to say, hey Jesus, that if I don't have you, I don't know anything. That just like the disciples here, that they had eyes but they couldn't see, that they had ears but they couldn't hear, and that they knew the stories, they answered all the questions in the test, but they 
they couldn't ace the real test. You know, let's look again at the, at the stories surrounding this. Jesus talked about defiled hearts. We need to be the ones, I need to be the one, the first one to jump up and say, Lord, my heart is broken. And it's broken beyond what I can do to fix it. Jesus, I need you to come. When he talked to the Syrophoenician woman and this woman wrestled with him out of faith because she knew who he was, that should be you and that should be me, wrestling through these difficult times with Jesus, never letting go of our faith in him, but going to him constantly and saying, Jesus, I need you to come and make this right because I don't know how to do this on my own. I'm done trying to do this on my own. When he touches the deaf person's ears, I need to be the one, Jesus, I can't hear you. This week, I actually had a hard time going to God and listening to him. My heart was too fast and my, I was too busy and I need to be the one who said, Jesus, I can't hear you without you touching my ears and opening them up. I need you to do something new. Jesus fed the four and the 5,000 right before this. And I need to be the one to stand up and say, Jesus, my, I thirst and I hunger for your righteousness. I've looked for the food everywhere I've gone. I've looked for things that will take care of my body and my soul, and I've found nothing besides what I have in you. Jesus, if you don't feed me, if you don't give me the living water, then I don't know where else to go. And then next week, we're going to be talking about how when Jesus heals a blind man, and I need to be the one, right? Even right now, even before we get in there, Jesus, I can't see anything without you. I need you to come here and be with me. So that's really the point of today. When we're missing the deeper things, when Jesus is trying to do something profound, take us to a new place that we've never been to, what, God, what we're really called to do is to stand up urgently asking Jesus, passionately asking Jesus, Jesus, I need you to do this work in me because I can't do this myself. I can't understand the things that are too great for me. I need your help. And so I have these four questions for us today. That in any season in life, when you're trying to learn, when you're trying to grow in God, you can ask yourself these four questions. When you're reading scriptures, these work. When you're praying, these work. When you just can't make sense of life, you throw up these questions and you ask yourself about them. The first question is, Jesus, what are you teaching me here? What's the lesson here? Because sometimes we can't even get what he's trying to do. Sometimes we completely miss it like the disciples often do. Real quick, I think it's it's a cop out if you ever have the perspective of, well, they were the they were the disciples, they didn't get it. The reason why the disciples are in the story is to show us that how you would react, how I would react, how we would miss what Jesus was doing all the time. Question number two, how am I being rebuked here? Jesus, what are you saying, Holy Spirit? What are you saying that I'm doing wrong right now? God reserves the right to do that. And we need him to be doing that, telling me where I'm wrong and where I need to grow. The third question is, how is this healing me? God is a God of redemption. He's a God of redeeming all of the broken things. Like we read in James, he's not the cause of all the pain, but he is the cause of the healing that comes out of it. That God doesn't want you and me to suffer, but his promise is that he can make it okay he can redeem what we've lost. And then lastly, how am I being equipped to be closer to Jesus? I want to be clear in one thing. 
We need to run to Jesus urgently every day, not to know that you're saved, because if you confess Jesus as Lord, that's a, that's a one-time thing that you're sealed in. You don't have to run to Jesus to know if you're saved or not every day. But we do need to run to our Savior, our friend, our healer, our coming King, all of the things that Jesus is daily. And we say, Jesus, put this in my heart because I'm wounded and I can't hold this in for too long. So church, we need to be a church. We need to be a movement. We need to be a people who know our limits and we don't care about them. We run to Jesus asking him to heal us every day. Is that we need to raise our hands when we're together, when we're alone and say, Jesus, I need you to heal my heart because it's broken. These eyes don't work if you don't touch them. My ears can't hear you if you don't bring me to hear you. All of these things. And so let's worship now the Lord who is able to do all of this. Let's worship the God who not only says that he'll help, but he will be the one who does all of these deep works. That God wants to take you to new places that you've never been to personally, spiritually, any Ali that you can think of, God wants to take you into better grounds all the time. And so let's worship urgently, wholeheartedly worship Jesus and say, we need you to do something deep in our hearts or else we can't get in. Amen, church? Let's worship. <laughs> 